word, folk. Uh, two, ver- two, two, two portions of Scripture. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> you can hold, hold that place and then flip over to Titus. Anybody know anything about Titus? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. And do we need to take a 30-minute break just to take a little nap, get refreshed, or you're everybody good? Everybody okay? All right. Remember nap time. Nap time was my favorite part, man, of kindergarten. I tell you, I, some, you know, some of those kids wanted to fuss about going. I was running to my mat. You know, I love my mat. And so uh, it, was, it, was, it was just a good time. So uh, <clears throat> I hope you, you're doing okay. We'll let you rest later. Um, Romans chapter 5 and Titus chapter 2, um, verses 11 through 14. I want to read these together. And then we'll flip over to Romans 5, and then we'll just pray, and then we're just going to just let, let the Holy Spirit have his way in this church. Amen. Verse 11, uh, Titus 2 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love that. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's a great scripture, and I love it. And now I want you to do this. Turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and then we'll, uh, we'll look at a few verses in uh, 18 through 21. 18 through 21, says this in the writings of Paul. It says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteousness act, the free gift came to all men. It, it, it was available for us, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, talking about Adam, uh, many were made sinners also by one man's obedience, talking about my Savior Jesus. Many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded so much more. And I love that. So that as, in sin, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ain't that encouraging? Can we give God just some praise just for his word? Nothing else. Just for his awesome word. That is so cool. That is so cool. Now, let's pray. And I want you to do this, church. I want you to pray with me. I want you to agree with me. And I, I, I just feel like we should take a moment and also pray for what's happening in, on the other side of the world right now in Japan. I've, I've, watched, I've watched some of this on the news. And just it breaks your heart, you know, to see what's happening there. And I believe uh, prayer is, is crucial right now. For God's people to do this. So, Father, right now, we come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We come in the name that is above every other name. And, Lord, we thank you for the grace of God that has been extended to all men. And, Lord, we pray, Lord, today that if there's any that's in this place who have never accepted and received that free gift of grace today, that this will be the day. Lord, your word tells us that this is the day of salvation, and I thank you for that today, God. And, Lord, we just ask you, you sovereign Holy Spirit, you sovereign God who sits on the throne right now to, to just move in Japan on behalf of those folks, God. I, I, I just pray, God, right now that you'll comfort those who have lost loved ones. 
God, I pray that you'll just uh, surround them with your peace right now, God, as your word said, that just surpasses understanding. Lord, they need that today, God. I just pray that you'll, pray that you'll just show them your love right now, Holy Spirit. I, I ask you right now, God, to even work in, in, the, in, the, in the things that are happening right now. Give wisdom, understanding, knowledge of what to do, how to handle things at the nuclear plants, God, how to handle the rescue attempts that are taking place, everything that's going on, God. I just pray, Lord, that you'll be at work through this situation, God, and we just give you praise for who you are. We give you glory for what you're doing, and we honor you in this house, and we ask this in your mighty son's name. Amen. 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 Aren't you glad to be in God's house? I sure am, man. I'm so thankful. And again, we're, if this is your first time or maybe first time in a few weeks or whatever, over the last several weeks, we've been teaching the series on and looking at this series called DNA. DNA is what is our makeup and how that makeup is transferred to others. And so for us, uh, the DNA is, is we're looking at it and studying it. This is the core values of this church. This is what we believe. This is, this is, you know, why we exist, what we believe, why we do the things that we do. So we've been talking about things, and all these messages are online. They're on iTunes, and you can listen to them free of charge. And, and we've been talking about, first of all, the first week, we talked about the Word of God and how powerful the Word is. And, and then we talked about the second week on God. Oh, man, aren't you thankful for, for God, who is holy, he's mighty, and he sits on his throne. We talked about the third week that God came to us through the person of Jesus Christ. It's Emmanuel who's God with us and who came for us, and I'm so thankful for who he is. Last week, we talked about the gift of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who came because Jesus said this. He said he's going away, and he's going to prepare this place for us, and we're going to talk about the places being prepared for us next week, and I'm excited to talk about that. I am pumped, and I cannot wait, and, uh, and it's just been great, but he told us in the meantime he's going to send this Holy Spirit to us, to be with us, who's a what? Comforter, a counselor, a friend, a teacher. What else? Did I? Gee, okay, so he is. He is this. He is this person, the Holy Spirit. So it's just incredible. So it's just been great. And so we've been looking at, over the last several weeks, the who of what we believe. Does that make sense? The who, who we believe. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe that, that this is his word. And so today, I want to talk, I guess as we get into the next several weeks, we're going to begin to look at the why. Amen. All right? Now, why do we believe this? Why, why do we believe these things that we believe? Why is it so important? Why, why, why did there have to be uh, this, this God? Why did Jesus have to come? Why did he have to give his life? There must have been a serious, serious purpose, a serious reason behind why Jesus had to come to this earth and be beaten. Oh, come on. And die. And, and this, as we sung this earlier, this, this God who's mighty to save, who conquered the grave, this incredible Jesus, there had to be a big purpose and a big reason, the reason that he did this for us. And there is, because we needed this. We needed salvation. Oh, come on. Y'all, y'all. So if you're saved, you should be very happy right now that he came and you know the who and you know why and you've received that why. And today you're sitting in this place saved by the grace of God who has received this great gift. So we believe in that there must be a salvation experience that must happen for us. There, it has to take place for us. We must come to this place. Even Jesus' name means, remember, Yahweh is salvation. 
This is the why. Why did he do this? Why is it so important he gave his life? Because we needed this. We needed the salvation of God. Even the word salvation in the Greek is the word soterion. And it means this. It means to rescue or deliver. Okay, so hear that. And there's a lot to that, and we'll expound on some of these things. But there, that we must be rescued from something. That's tough. Now, we, there, there has to be. Again, he, he died. He went through this beating and lived all these things. There must be, there must be a, it must be a very big deal. So we believe in salvation. Just straight from what we believe, uh, from our statement of faith, I'll read it on, on the subject of salvation. We believe in the salvation of man, his fall and redemption. Man is a created being made in the likeness and image of God. Through Adam's transgressions and fall, sin came into the world. We just read that earlier. But the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person in this room, has sinned. So every now we, we I just want to be so clear today on what I on what I share with you. Every person in this room needs the saving grace of God. Amen. It does not matter how good of a person you are, or how bad of a person you are. We must have this. There is no way around this. We can't accept just maybe the part of the, the, the gospel that we like or the part of the Bible we, we want to believe. We must believe in the full gospel message of Christ coming to this earth because every person in this room has failed and come short of God's glory. So we needed something. So man's only hope of redemption is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He was manifested to undo the works of the devil, according to 1 John 3, 8, when Jesus died on the cross. He became sin and sickness for us, providing salvation and healing for all. Salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ and not by human works, believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and by confessing with your mouth Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. That's what we believe. We believe that this must happen for us, that we need the saving grace of God. I want to make sure this is clear because sometimes I think that we feel like that if we maybe come to church, that's enough. I think sometimes because we were born and raised in the Bible Belt, man, we're down here in the South, so everybody goes to heaven. We're going to find out today as we look at this, and as my heart's been broken this week by some of the things that I've read the scripture and, 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 and looked at, we have to see the importance of this today. I think sometimes that we, we kind of treat God like... Um, like I saw in this week's uh, production I went to, my son was in a production at the middle school of Aladdin. You might remember seeing the movie Aladdin. Pretty cool movie, and, and the production was great. These guys did an incredible job watching this. I think sometimes we do this. I think sometimes we look at this God as the way that, that Aladdin looked at this genie. I mean, in, in the production, what happens in the play, if you know the story, this, this, this Aladdin, this, this poor young man who finds this, this oh man, this, this lamp that's there in, the, in this cave, he rubs it, this genie pops out, and then what happens is this is what, this is what takes place in the, in the movie, literally. He, he begins to ask wishes of this genie. He begins, to, he begins to tell him what he wants. He begins to tell him what he needs. There's a moment in the play and in the, in the movie where he gets rescued from the point of death. 
and, and it, but he, he does this, and we want to do this sometimes. We want to carry him in and, 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 and keep him confined sometimes and then pull him out when we want him. It, it will not work that way. I, I even got tickled again. You, just, you know me, my mind goes crazy as I watch stuff, and the Lord speaks to me through stuff. As, as the genie was saying to Aladdin, Master. I said, hold on a minute. You poor broke, you ain't got jack squat, you find this genie who delivers you, sets you free, and yet you want him to call you master, and you want him to be there when you need him, and any other time he can go back to his lamp, he can do whatever he wants to do, but then when you need him, you can take him out and call on him and say, hey, wait a minute, got a wish today. Makes no sense. Now think about it. It makes no sense. What should really be happening in that story is that this, this Aladdin, this poor young man, should be coming before this genie saying, man, you have saved me. You have taken my life that was nothing, and I'm going to call you master. Oh, y'all quiet. I'm going to call you master. I've got this thing all mixed up. I'm sorry for getting it wrong. And what's happened in the church, a lot of times we've done that. We want him to call us master because we want him to do what we want him to do for us. But he's the one, and he's God, and he's this sovereign, almighty Savior who is incredible, who sits on this throne. And whatever it is that he wishes and wants from us is what we should be saying. What do you want me to do next, God? I know that's good. I know that's good. That's okay. But what is it you need? And so this this, this amazing God who, who loves us, he came and he did this, and he saved us from something. So over the next two weeks, as we, as we talk about salvation, I, I want to talk about what he saved us from and also what he saved us to. Come on. And, and it, it's going to get good. But today I want to talk about this. And again, this is a serious subject because what has he saved us from? What has he, what has he rescued us from? What is it today that if you're in this room and you haven't accepted the love and the grace of Christ, that you have to be rescued from? Some of you are like, well, I know it's no big deal. No, no, you need to think about this. What is it that he has delivered us from? What is our destination that we're going to this place if we don't receive Christ? And, and I, as, I, as I've studied the word today, I want to take a few moments to, to look at what he saved us from. And he has saved us from hell. Um, I mean, I love, I love the mixed emotions because that's what, we sh- that's what we're going to have in this room today. And, and today, as we talk about this, I- I'm not going to really spend a whole lot of time on distinguishing Hades from hell, from Sheol, whatever. I just want to talk about what happens if we don't know Christ, okay? There's a big teaching. There's a lot of time that could be spent, and I'm, I'm not, but we're just going to get into this thing of what happens that we must talk about. And this is why I'm going to talk about, that, about this today, because Jesus taught on it. Often, and he taught on it in great detail. I mean, he didn't, when it came to the subject of hell, he didn't play around. He was very specific. He was very detailed in his belief. He talked about a literal place of hell. Now, 
I'm honest today, I must, I've asked you just to pray for me. There's people that I've called this week and said, just, just pray this week for me. I just need your prayers. And I, I want to talk to you about this. And, and what we're going to do today is we're going to use a lot of scripture. So I want you to follow on best you can or just write them down and go back and read this stuff later. But we're going to talk about the subject of hell today. And we're going to use the words of Jesus. I love the writings of Paul and, and, and the apostles and, and, and all the prophets and minor. I, I love all those things. But today, just out of the Gospels, I want to talk the red letter of what Jesus said. If you've noticed that through this series, all the messages have pretty much been what Jesus said while he was here. Because that's what this church is. This is about this Jesus who loves us and gave his life for us. And the message of the Gospel is good news. It's literally what it means. So this is what this tells me. If, if the gospel message of Jesus is good news, there must be bad news. Amen. Right. Amen. Now, I know I'm going to probably, you know, maybe not get quite as much amens and, and hand claps as we did on the Holy Spirit message last week. But I'm okay with that. Because this has to be preached too. And I don't understand why we don't anymore. I don't know why we go to churches and we go into places and you don't really hear a whole lot about this message anymore. <clears throat> I don't know how is it that, that before in years past there used to be message that was clear on this subject of hell because it's, I, I believe because of what Jesus said, this literal place. Even today, and it's sad, and we need to pray for ministers and leaders. There, even in, this, in the Christian world, there's leaders that are out there today. There are some coming to a place of belief that believe that there's not this place of literal hell that will be forever. There's a, prominent, there's a prominent pastor out there now who has thousands in his church that is releasing a book next month who in this book, he believes this, that because of the love and the grace of God that nobody will go to hell. This is, a, this, is a, this is a big church of thousands, and he is preaching this message, and his thought now, he's coming into his place that he now thinks that there is not going to be a place of literal hell. That scares me. That's tough. Because Jesus said there was. Not Terry. Jesus said this. And so I want to look at this today. And I want our minds to begin to wrap around the seriousness of, of this subject of hell and, 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 and be very clear on it. I love the words of, of Jonathan Edwards. I, I'm finding myself reading, uh, you know, a lot of, of older stuff by dead people. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know why that is the case, but I'm, I'm starting to read more stuff from older folks, you know, that are dead. So I guess that's not the Bible, I guess. But, but listen to a couple of quotes <clears throat> by Jonathan Edwards. This was a prominent minister from the 1700s. He said this. He said, I resolved to live every day as if I had already seen the torments of hell and the happiness of heaven. Come on. What if we did that? He also said this. He says, <clears throat> I believe that the doctrines of eternity, both heaven and hell, should have an impact on my daily life. And let Let's, I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but let's just think for a moment. How many of us in this room, literally, daily, there are some thoughts of this place called heaven and this place called hell? We get so caught up with life. We get so busy with things that are going on. We get so consumed with stuff that our minds doesn't, doesn't wrap around the seriousness that this is the fact that one day, 
every one of us will we'll, we'll kneel before the sovereign God and we will go to a place called heaven or we will go to a place called hell. We don't wrap our minds around that enough. We don't think about those that we're, we're sitting beside in a cubicle or we're on the production line or we're serving somewhere, we're doing something with. Are we really thinking the fact that they will spend eternity somewhere? So what did Jesus say? Go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7. We're going to hang out in the Gospels for a little while. Try to stay with me. I know you lost an hour, but try to stay with me. This is, a, this is, this is serious stuff today. And heaven help us. I want you to look at verses 13 and 14. And again, we're going to, we're going to, if you've got the book, in this red letter edition, you're going, to, you're going to find today this is the things that Jesus said about this subject. And it's why we must take it so serious. Verse 13 and 14 of Matthew 7 said this. It said, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it. I got to be very just, just real today. I sat in my office desk this week. And as I read these scriptures, I, 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 just, I just wept before God. And there, there, there are people who are, I, I called who, who I trust with prayer, and they've, I asked them to pray for me right now, and, and that I needed just prayer, just God to help me understand what's going on. I called people that I respected who, as Bible teachers and scholars, and as I looked at this, I, I tried to. I really did. I tried to find a way around that. I, I, I read every commentary that I had. I, I looked up every translation that I had. I, I went through my PC study Bible who has all these different translations. I was like, well, surely there's, there has to be a, a, another way. There has to be something else <clears throat> other than what this is saying. There has to be. Because surely that's not the case. And as I sat there, I, and as I called people I respected and trusted in the word, they said, it means exactly what it says. As I thought about that, I, I, I looked at this and I was like, wait a minute. Are you telling me that, that there will be more people? Now, again, I, I'm, just, I'm reading Jesus. You're telling, you're telling me that there will be more people in hell than in heaven? And I'm like, man, I, I struggle with that. But as I got to thinking, and I even looked at some statistics this week, and I looked at the fact that, that statistically only 20% of people attend church on a regular basis. Again, we know the connection is not church to heaven, but you need church in your life. You need to be plugged into a place of worship, and you need that accountability and love and teaching that happens through there. And there's only 20% of America who's regularly attending church today, and I cried, man. And I said, you know, Jesus, I guess you're right, duh. Of course he's right. It's Jesus. I don't know, I, I think this, I think if I was a doctor, <laughs> no, no. 
I think if I was a doctor and I knew that you had this, incur- this disease that was found, that if there was something that could be done, we could, we could do something about that. If, if, if we, we, we caught this soon enough, and Dr. Rogers is reporting to the room, and he discovers that you have this, and he, he sees it soon enough that something can be done about it. How messed up of a physician would I be to say, I can't tell them that. That may hurt their feelings. Oh, they're such good patients, and, 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 and they come regularly, and they, they help me buy that home. You know, they help me, uh, they help me, did, I can't, I can't hurt their feelings like that. How messed up would that be? I got to thinking, how messed up of a pastor I'd be if we get in here and we do celebrate the Holy Spirit. Because he's given us that gift. And man, we're going to keep celebrating. And we talk about God and we talk about how incredible he is. And we talk about Jesus who can, but we don't talk about this reason that he came. So let's look at it. Matthew 13. Jesus speaking. I know y'all having fun today. I know we're having fun. In this, and again, this is Jesus. He, he tr- over and over and over in his teachings, he tried to make this so clear. And, and, and whoever he was talking to, he kept putting it in ways that they would understand. And he, he, he taught a parable here about the wheat and the tares. And as I was reading some of this stuff, I, I look back, and this is just me. I, I like to underline stuff. I like to highlight stuff. I like to write a little inserts in, things that, man, really stand out. I'm like, man, that's awesome. I need to remember that scripture. I need to, if somebody gets in a situation, I can give them that scripture to help them out of it because that's a good word. I do that, and I know some of you do that. But as I was looking back, through these texts that I'm, that I'm reading today, there are no underlying marks in my Bible. There are no highlights here. There's nothing that as I read this, as I, as I look at this, and say, man, why haven't I focused more on this area? Because this is what it's all about. Because this God, he came for a reason through his son, and we have to be safe from this. And Jesus said this. He taught this parable about the wheats and the tares. And this is, how, this is what he was talking about. In the time that they would plant wheat and they would, they, would, they would put this stuff in the ground, there was also through this time, there was something called tares. Tares would get mixed in with the wheat and they would begin to grow. Now, this is what was tough. As I studied this and looked at this, th- th- literally, the wheats and the tares looked t- so much alike. They would come up out of the ground, and they would be unable to tell which was which. They wouldn't be able to say, okay, now here's the wheat, here's the tares. We know what's what, so we can go ahead and remove that right now. They did this. They had to wait to harvest time. They had to wait. The stuff kept growing. It kept coming up. And then when it was harvest time, wheat would produce something. It would produce grain. And the tares were there, looked a whole lot like everything else, but there was no production of, 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 of harvest in their life. And what did Jesus say that he was going to do? And again, I'm, this is tough, but this is what he said. Jesus, in verse 36 Then Jesus sent the multitude away, went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. 
you trying to say, Jesus? What, what, what is it so important for? And he answered and said to them this. He said, he who sows a good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them in the, is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out, they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. That will be where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as a sun in the kingdom of their father. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear this. What is he saying? He's saying that there will be a time, there will be a place where, and I know right now we all just kind of blend, man. Right? I'm not talking about just skin color, not even actions, whatever. You just look across America and we're just all people. We're all just kind of, we just kind of just live together. We're all these people that's on this earth together. But there will be a day and a time where they will come together and there will be a separation of those who know Christ and then those who don't. Wow. Wow. And he said that they will be separated and sent to a place called hell. And I don't know. I know... Sometimes when you look at the movies and you, you watch TV and you see these different things and how hell is represented, and sometimes you see uh, the guys sitting around and they're drinking and they're, they're smoking and they're talking about the good old days. It's not going to happen. Jesus said there's going to be a place where there's going to be welling, gnashing of teeth, where there will be excruciating pain, where you'll be of this place of suffer and torture. I believe because of what Jesus said that this place of hell is going to be a place of pain. Man, I feel the love today. Matthew 22. Also, the Bible says this through the rise of Jesus. In Matthew 22, he says this. I believe that hell is also going to be a place of regret. Matthew 22. Verses 11 through 13. And I, again, just trying to, trying to just get us to see this. Uh, and again, I know this, this is different reactions that this can cause and different emotions that can be stirred within us. And, and even as I sit back and, and, and even this week, I, I begin to think about maybe some of those who may have went on before me who maybe not have known Christ, maybe family members, friends of mine who may be having to suffer. And I'm like, dog, is there something I could do different? Is there something I can do different now? Is there, is there more I can say? Is there something else I should do as a believer? What should I be doing? But he said this. He says in Matthew twenty two eleven. 11, he says, When the king came to see the guest, he saw a man who did not have on the wedding garment. Now, this is, again, Jesus telling this story about a wedding feast that's taking place. And they're coming to the wedding. And, the, and, and if you, you know the word at all, you know this is talking about when we come and, and celebrate the, the bride and the bridegroom. All these things that are happening. It's just an incredible, incredible time. I know time just don't allow me to get into all the stuff here. But, but he, he said this. He says that who did not have on a wedding garment. They didn't have on this robe of righteousness. They didn't have what God had prepared for them. They wasn't wearing this. So he said to them, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. 
Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I love the Jesus man who said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I love that. It preaches better. Have more fun with that. And it's why those scriptures should make us so excited. Because he is the what? He is the truth. He is the life. And he said he has saved us from these things. He has pulled us from this place. He has done this for us. And again, he didn't have on the right thing. And he asked him, what are you going to say? And he was speechless because I began to think, what, what will I be able to say when I come before this holy God? What will I be able to say? Will I be able to say I was a pastor? Let me in. Oh, man, I don't, you don't know what, what I've done. You don't know. I've done a lot of great things. Let me in. The only thing I'll be able to say is this, man, Lord, look at the robe I'm wearing. It's not my righteousness. Amen. Right. It ain't mine. Mine's filthy. Mine is, 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 oh, man, it's nothing. Bible said filthy rags, and that's some serious stuff. If you study that one out, that's, that's nasty. I mean, I'm nothing. But God, I received the robe that you gave me called grace of righteousness. And I put this on, and it's because of what you've done. And, and, and he was speechless in this day. He couldn't say anything. He didn't have nothing to say. I don't want, I don't want anybody in this room. I don't want Malden in every city that touches us and the people that we're supposed to connect to and show this love. I don't want them to be able to have to stand or kneel before this God one day and be speechless. I want them to know. And he says this. He says this again. He, he, he tells a story. It's going to be a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is tough. Luke 16 says this. And I, Luke 16, go with me real quick. Again, just trying to, trying to get us to see this. Verse 19 says this. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. This guy was wearing something. He was wearing fine linens. He was wearing robes. He was fair. He was the man. He was dressed as nice as he could be. He had the stuff. He was a rich guy. He had it. And he was dressed. But remember, it don't matter how good, how bad, we have to be clothed in him if we're going to get this thing. And there was also a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who laid at this gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dolls came and licked his sores. The dolls gave him more attention than this man did. So it was as a beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may just dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Abraham says, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things, but now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this between us, uh, and there is a great gulf mixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. 
He's saying this. He's saying to end this place. I, I, again, I just have to read that and just look at it how it's written. That we'll be able to, 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 to see if we're in this place of torment. We'll be able to see. Man. Oh, dude. What was I thinking? Why did I think money was more important? Why did I think my, 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 my life, my stuff, my things, my three wishes from you, Jeannie, why did I think all those things were more important than you? And he, and, he, and he sees this, and he said, man, please, just can you do something? Just the tip of your finger, just please do something. And as I thought about this and I read this, I, I, I think the most difficult thing to be and, and, and that, that will be so tough is the fact that if we're in this place, we'll be eternally separated. There'll be this gulf between us. There'll be this separation forever from us and God. Forever. That, that we'll come to this place. And, and how long is this going to last, Pastor? Is this, is this like this, this pastor who's writing this book and who's telling us that we, we may go there for a small moment of time, but we won't be there forever? This is not forever. Because, there, because again, he's a loving God. He's a gracious God. He, he's, he's, he's all this thing who died for all. He did this, so surely he's not going to do this forever. I'm going to go pay for my sins for a little while. I'm going to go to purgatory. I'm going to go to, to whatever it may be. I'm going to go do something for a little while. I don't find that here. When I find, what I find in here is in Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 45 and 46 says this. Then he will answer them saying, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. It's a great story. Read it. It's about the life we live if we're following Christ and how we'll minister to others. And he says this. He says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, hold on. He, he says that, wait a minute, this thing's forever. And I, I can't wait to talk about next week. Oh, man, we talk about the, what we're saved to. It's going to be so much more fun than this. But this is the truth that in these will go away into everlasting. He's using words like everlasting and eternal. This thing is forever. It's, it's, it's forever. As I watched the TV and I watched the news this week, and I, I know some of you guys have been praying for what's going on over there and, and across the other side of the world. And sometimes we just so disconnected to other stuff, man. We get so just. As I watched that, as I watched the news, and I, and I watched, I mean, literally, you could see water sweep through and just take over and destroy entire towns and cities. And all these things were completely destroyed. And man, my heart hurt for those people. It hurt for them because, man, some of those people worked a lot of hours and they did a lot of time. They may have themselves built those homes by their own hands and put all this effort into these places. And then to see that destroyed, man, that hurts. You know what hurts a lot more? It's for already the 977 confirmed deaths 
the 766 that are still missing out there today, that they had to do this, spend eternity somewhere. And if they didn't know Christ, to burn in hell today. If you're a Christian in this room, man, you should have you should feel real schizophrenic with a message like this. You should feel real weird right now as a message like this is being preached. Because I know one part of you wants to celebrate. Man, and I I've celebrated. I thank God this week, man. I praise him. Man, I don't have to go there. I found the narrow gate. I've walked through it. I've received this. I've accepted this love. So thankful, man, and it gets me so excited. And as a church, I believe that as we, as we celebrate, as we sing praise songs and worship songs, when we really see this, like Jonathan Edwards said, that we look at the eternity of heaven and hell somewhere, it should change us. Pastor, why don't you raise your hands? Why don't you jump do that? Some of that crazy stuff that you do because Jesus has saved me from an eternity in hell. He loves me so much. That's why. But pastor, why don't you sit at your desk? And why don't you cry this week? Why can't you even control yourself on the stage? Man, that's, that's stupid. You're a man. Man up. I love talking to different people in our church. And I had one guy call me this week, man. I love talking to this guy. Because he's just hungry for God. And he's just... Just thirsty for the things of the Lord. He said, man, pastor, he said, I watched you down front the other day as the Holy Spirit was moving, as the people were receptive of that, and they were worshiping God. And they said, man, the look on your face, I may take a picture of it sometime. You should just see it. You should just see it. Man, the excitement that's on. You can't even describe what I see on your face when the people of God are grabbing hold of that. And man, I I mean, that's how I feel. I can't control it sometimes. But equally... With the same amount of passion, the same amount of emotion, my heart weeps. Because some of us in this room think because we're in a church pew or chair today, we're going to heaven. And without this love and the grace that's been extended to us from Christ, we'll spend eternity. Gary, come on around if you would. So which one should we do, Pastor? Should we clap, say amen, and shout? Or should we weep? We should do both. We should do both. Why should we do both? Why, why can't if we're a Christian as believers, we, we're singing a while ago, this mighty to save. Man, I love that. He's mighty. He's conquered the grave. He's conquered this place called hell. It's nothing. 
That was nothing, man. Jesus conquered all those things for us. And we should rejoice by the simple fact. And, and I love this. I, I love what, what, what Jesus taught his disciples. And they start talking about all the great things and even the good stuff. Not the bad things, but the good things that were going on. And Jesus says, rejoice not for any other reason, but because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's why we should rejoice today. Because if we know Christ, we should rejoice for that reason. We should celebrate that. And we should give God the praise that he deserves because he's so worthy of it. And what is so cool, and I love it, if we are the believer, this world is as close to hell as we'll ever have to be. Come on, this world, and it's jacked up, it's messed up, and all the junk that we go through, this is as bad as it's going to get. It's a place called heaven, and I can't wait to talk about it. But today, we've talked about the who, and today we have to understand that there's a reason why he came. Titus 2, and it's the first verse of uh, scriptures are read today in the Message Bible. Verse 11 says this, God's readiness to give and forgive is now public. I love that. Salvation's available for everyone. It's available for everyone. Who's going to receive it? It's our statement of faith. Man's only hope of redemption is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He was manifested to undo the works of the devil. And when Jesus died on the cross, he became sin and sickness for us, providing salvation and healing for all. Salvation comes by faith in Jesus Christ and not by human works. Believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and by confessing with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and Savior. That's how we start this journey. I want you to stand with me, please. Just bow your heads if you would. And just for a moment. We've been talking about our DNA. I mean, just what we believe in, our makeup. And man, as a church, I, I, I want to challenge us to get what we believe in the hearts and lives of others. There should be a transference of this DNA. There should be a transference of what we believe into the lives of those that we come in contact with. And when we see this for what this is, the eternity, there will be a, a place of heaven and there's a place of hell. When we see that, man, that should drive us. That should drive us. And just a minute, we want to get, I want to get my mark on someone. I want to get the DNA. I want to get what's in me, this Holy Spirit that's living inside my life, this Jesus who came, who gave his life for me. I, I got to get that on someone. So if you're a Christian today, that should start burning in you. It should burn in us. That's, that we, we should have such a passion and a hunger and not come into this confined space and just say, give me my wish. Give me my wish. Jeannie, God, I deserve this. Now we should come to this place and say, sovereign master and God, thank you. Thank you for sending your son. And I believe this and I read this and it's from the word of God. Christ died for all. 
Salvation is available to all. But it must come to a place where we accept him and receive this free gift. I don't care how good or bad you are. You can't earn it. If you had to do something to obtain it, you'd have to do something to maintain it, and that won't happen. You receive this by the grace of our God. If you're a Christian in this room, I want you to pray because here's the, the, the Jesus said this. There's, there's few who find this. There's few who really come to a place where they're saying, man, I, man, I accept this. And so today, if you're a Christian, I want you to pray for those who are here that they're not. And this is what is so amazing. All of us in this room, I said this, all of us in this room, without receiving Jesus, we're headed to this place too. You're not a bad person. If you're here, you don't know him. It, it, it doesn't mean anything. It just means simply that today, the love and the grace of God that we received, you can too. <laughs> you can too. Wait a minute, I was sprinkled and I was, I was baptized and, and I was confirmed or I was, this, I was there. No, is Jesus your Lord? If you're not today, I want you to pray this for me. I want you to just pray this for me. If you're in that place and you're not a believer and you're not a Christian, whatever kind of best way we can describe it, but you know today as I shared this message, you know something? Man, he's talking to me. That's where I'm going because I have, I, I'm not following this Christ. I'm not accepting him. It can change today. And if that's you, I just want you to just, if, if today you say, I want to follow Christ, just repeat this after me. Father, today... I realize that I need you. Father, today I realize that I need you. I can't earn this. I don't deserve this. But because you died on the cross for me, because your son died for me, I want to be saved. I want to spend eternity with you, God. I want to spend it with you, Lord. And I confess you as Lord of my life. And I want to enter through the gate of your grace today. I want to enter through the grace of your love today. And be assured of heaven as if I'm already there. Praise you, Lord. Just as heads are bowed, eyes are closed today. If you've prayed that prayer, if you've made that decision today, I want you to slide your hand up as high as you can. Praise God. Who else? High as you can. Don't scratch your head. Don't scratch your nose. I want to see it. Praise God. Who else? Hallelujah. Who else? Praise God. Thank you, Father. Who else? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 